I'm Bernie Crane. I'm John Crane. You're listening to the Jazz Session with Jason Crane, our dad. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Kyle Kwas. This is episode 409 for October 1st, 2012. Today's guest is Sarah M.K., a singer and songwriter from Montreal. There are nine shows left. Thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. Thanks to Dave Rabel for the show's logo and Rob Grundell for the Jazz or Bust logo. You can follow me online at Jason D. Crane. You can also join my mailing list. At the moment, just go to thejazzsession.com and click on Mailing List to join. And of course, very soon that will become just my own personal mailing list. You can also visit my travel diary and poetry site at jasoncrane.org, which I've recently redesigned, so go check that out. And there's travel diaries from uh, the last couple of weeks, or the last week in particular, where I've been on the road from New York to Jackson, Mississippi, and now to Auburn, Alabama, which is rapidly becoming one of my favorite places. I could really, really see myself living here. I, I like it here a lot. I feel very at home here and uh, really love the people who are here. That's where I am right now and where I will be until the 15th of October when I make a quick trip to Atlanta and then fly out the next morning to Santa Fe, New Mexico to become a resident at the Upaya Zen Center. Another city I could definitely see myself living in is Montreal. And I was there recently, as you know, at the beginning of September David Rishpan was on the last show before this, 408. He's a piano player in Montreal, and he also introduced me to Sarah M.K., who's today's guest, who actually put me up on her couch, uh, despite really not knowing me at all, which was very, very nice. I really, really dig her music, uh, and I think you will too. It might be a little different than a lot of the stuff that I bring you here on the jazz session, but uh, the quality is very high, and Sarah's just a, a really, really great person who I think you're going to enjoy listening to. So here's some music from Sarah M.K., followed by our conversation, recorded in Montreal.
My guest is singer and songwriter Sarah M.K. here in Montreal. She's got a new record out called Worth It, and it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And I will just say right out front, thank you also for hosting me. We're, we're doing this in your house, on the couch I'm sleeping on. It's, it's wonderful, but you've, you've been great. So thank you so much for that. It's a pleasure. It's really cool. <laughs> I'm in my PJs right now. Um, this is how all interviews should be conducted. Yep. Pajamas. Yeah. Pajamas is a, is a must. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally down. So maybe we can start by talking a little bit about the at least one part of the scene that you're part of here in Montreal, which is community. Mm-hmm. Um, and just talk a little bit about the role that that plays here in Montreal and what it what it has meant for you. Sure. Um, well, Community is a collective of musicians and artists. It's been going on for nine years in the city. And uh, it started really small, and then with time it got much bigger. And it's a weekly event. Actually, it happens twice a week. Um, one of it is the more the open collective, and then there's the jazz project also at the Diazons on the Sundays. But um, pretty much it just for groups, artists, and musicians from different genres, from different, you know, circles, people that went to school in music, people that didn't. And, uh, and it's all based on improv. So we do collective improv. Um, we get on stage. We don't know what's going to happen during the night, you know, and then somebody kind of starts a, starts something and everybody jumps in and usually revolves around R&B, um, to, to like world music and stuff like that. And, um, and I've been in community for about three years now and it's just helped me grow as a musician. Like incredibly, I've just met so many people and, uh, and it, yeah, it's just, you know, it becomes like a musical family. How did you first get involved? Did you go and sit in or how, how did it start out for you? Yeah, I I remember I went to see a show and then I said I was a singer. And then uh, and then I, I showed up to the next community session. And then I, 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 I sat up for a song. And then I went up to the drummer, Jason, who's also the, the leader of the collective afterwards. And I told him I wanted to be in community. And then he kind of gave me this vibe like, Oh, you know, well, the microphone is a very like sacred thing. And so it's pretty much like a no, you know, and I was just like, well, never mind this thing. And then a year later, I went back to see a show and I knew one of the artists and he's like, you need to come up with us. And, and I went up and the next week I went up again and then it just kind of organically happened that I joined the collective. But there's always that, that little story that's just like, yeah, no, I got rejected the first time. So <laughs> it's all good. Well, I went the other night to uh, one of the Sunday night sessions, Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know what to expect at all, except that I knew it was collective improvisation. But uh, in my brain, collective improvisation means something totally other than what that was. I mean, I was expecting basically a free jazz show, and instead it was totally groove-centered and melodic. Um, But there was, you know, obviously it it was all happening in the spur of the moment, but in a way that let you know that most of the people on stage kind of knew each other and have a have a shared language. I mean, it felt very much like a a family project or something on stage. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah, I said improv, like collective improv, but that can kind of get mixed up. That's in the whole like free jazz kind of thing. But it's more um spontaneous composition. Like we're really building songs, you know, um, to like themes musically, and then. Uh, as vocalists, if we're many vocalists on the side, because sometimes it happens we're like 15 people ranging from rappers to poets to dancers even, you know, and and then we need to like figure out what musically what it's kind of dictating, you know, what the music is dictating. And then we need to work around the themes. So we're building a song where, you know, somebody comes up with a verse, somebody else comes up with a chorus and we find the harmonies for the chorus. And, you know, we're really just spontaneous composition, I think, is the best way to explain it. Can you talk about the effect of of doing that regularly on your own musicianship? It develops your ears so much. Even if you're doing a gig, 
<clears throat> excuse me, you're doing a gig where, um, you know, it's been practice. If something goes off, let's say, <laughs> you're, you know, you still feel safe. Like you're, you're secure enough to, to, to deal with improvisation. And, um, and yeah, it forces you to really come up with ideas really quickly and, and just interact with, with everybody, you know, and, and find a middle ground. I think finding a middle ground is a good thing. It's like knowing your position. Like, okay, well, okay, this time I'm lead singer. Okay, I'm doing this. Okay, I need to do back vocals. Okay, I'm going to calm down. Or maybe, you know, this song, I'm just not going to jump in because I don't need to be on everything. So it, it helps you to kind of center yourself and understand the different roles you can have in music. about your background and then we'll work our way back up um, to the record uh, you're from here in montreal right? yes and what part of town did you grow up in and, and remember that probably 90 percent of the people who hear this <laughs> will not know anything about montreal so. i grew up in roxborough which is the west side of the island because montreal is an island so it's the west side um it's very english kind of neighborhood because there's a lot of french and english but sure grew up in an english neighborhood and did you grow up in a uh, household full of musicians or not at all no not at all no um my mom is a secretary my father was an engineer um my grandmother played the organ here and there but by ear and uh yeah i just was always attracted to music my mom kind of put me to like after school activities and dance and music and stuff like that but definitely when i made the decision to like because i was studying in health science and then I switched to music. I was like, this is the time to do it. And no, my family wasn't very happy with that. They're kind of, oh, it's a phase. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And now that you actually have a career and, you know, there are like posters with your face on it and a record with your name on it, does your, uh, does your family feel any better about the phase that you're in? Yeah. I think, I, you know, I, well, cause I just did the Jazz Fest this summer and I think that was like, it took me a little more seriously. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Sarah, I see what you're doing, you know? <laughs> my mom was really proud. She was really happy about that. But she's always still questioning, like, well, maybe, you know, you want to do education. Because I like, like teaching also. So, um, yeah, but, yeah, it's it's an everyday battle, I guess. But it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> when did uh, when did writing become part of, of what you were focused on? Uh, since the very beginning. Um, in Montreal, there's... There's a lot of artists, but there's not a lot of um, like 
songwriters and producers or like all those roles are not very developed so as an artist in the city you have to write you have to do your own music for the most you have to just take care of your own career um so for me writing was like it just was part of making music and you um i mean people can see this in the videos that you've made and just listening to the lyrics on the record i mean you your music is i mean it's definitely uh fun to listen to and it's danceable and all that stuff but it's not uh, it's not without content or message. I mean, you definitely talk about actual things, actual issues. In yeah. The of your music. Lyrics are very important to me. Message is very important to me. Uh, yeah, music, music, especially for vocals, music needs to have lyrics. And those lyrics need to be, you know, well-developed kind of kind of thing. I always appreciate artists that, um, singers that would say things in a way that you never thought about it before. Like, oh, man, okay, I never heard it that way. And they put that in like a melody too. It's just sure. Amazing. So I'm I'm constantly trying to seek that, and hopefully with time I'll grow a little deeper. <laughs> and you, I mean, you don't shy away from talking about difficult things. No. Either. I mean, the very first single that you released, at least based on the story told in the video, you know, is kind of about un- unintended pregnancy. It looks like, or some very difficult yeah. topic. And yeah, no, it was like two two stories. One of it is about um, a promiscuous guy. And the second is about just a girl who feels like she's on top of the world and then her world crumbles. And the song is called Think That. And it was really just about, you know, sometimes you do thing. And this is definitely reflecting on myself. Sometimes you do thing and you're not thinking about the consequences and you, you think you're invincible. And, you know, things turn around. It's like everything is a cipher. Everything is a circle. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of genre labels. And I'm kind of guessing from both what I know about your music and what I know about what you're studying that probably you're not either and you're kind of interested to pull from wherever. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're right now you're in a jazz program at the University of Montreal. Yes. Right? And even though kind of straight jazz singing is not the thing that you're choosing to do musically, can you talk about why you're why you decided to study? Yes. Um, because I think I, I didn't have any musical influences like in my family. Um, I didn't have any musical education. It's not like I was... You know, I, I was like picked up a guitar when I was three. You know, there's always those those stories that didn't happen with me. Um, and I decided I wanted to do music at 20. And I was like, well, if I'm really going to do this, I might as well study it, you know, and really go in depth about, about it. Um, so I think that's why I decided to study it. And I'm just that kind of person. I really like to go into details of what I'm doing. Can you talk about what studying jazz formally, what impact that's having? I mean, when we listen to the record, for example, I mean, it's, it's kind of very like R&B, hip hop flavored, mm-hmm. but it's also pretty harmonically complex in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it really, uh, and I know the musicians on here are, are equally well versed in both the jazz world and the kind of R&B, hip hop world. So it seems like it draws on a bunch of different musical mm-hmm. areas. Um, well, studying jazz just helps to develop your ears. And um, to to go get more vocabulary melodically, harmonically, um, you know, I just I feel the more I do it, the freer I feel. Like I'm not, you know, throw me something. Okay, cool, I can, I can deal with it. <laughs> um, but definitely, uh, the the producer of the album, uh, this guitarist named Jordan Peters, you know, his beats are are I mean, he's making these beats, but harmonically they're very difficult. So you know, you can't. You kind of need to know what you're doing to write to them. Um, so I really had to sit with the chords and go through them and, and try to figure out the melodies. I would start by ear, but then eventually, you know, that's when the studies and the vocabulary comes in to be like, okay, well, what's going on here? Okay, how can I build it? How can I make something somewhat simple 
on something maybe harmonically a little uh, more difficult. Say I can't express how I feel so blessed to be doing what I love and be loved back for it. It's crazy to be up on stage, sing my heart away. Never thought I'd be so open and free. It's the only thing I could be. Let's go back. Wasn't too happy. People telling me. talk about what it was like to play at the festival yes it was amazing it was great uh an amazing experience highly professional that's you know that's what every musician's always kind of seeking for um but it was really an honor to, to have two nights at a jazz fest and to be on 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 the same list as people i admire like esperanza spaulding and um gregory porter um yeah i'm still coming down from the high you know slowly just and can you talk about like what what the stage was like that you were on? What was the crowd like? I've never even seen the festival, and maybe many people who are listening yeah, I've never seen either. The, that jazz, really? I've, I've never been there. No, interesting. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Next next summer, you yeah, know where I'm, to crash. I definitely, I'm definitely coming back. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I was inside in this small room called the Savoy. It's in the okay. Metropolis, and um, yeah, it's a very intimate room, about 200 people. And uh, it's like an hour and a half set and just a very intimate setting where people are sitting down, you know, but they still can bop their head and, sure. you know, just trying to create that, that fine balance between both. And yeah. And the festival has many different stages, right? Kind of a mix of indoor and outdoors. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's indoors, outdoors. Um, there's a lot of stages outside, uh, bigger stages to smaller stages going from blues to even there was disco this year, which was pretty interesting. Um, and a lot, yeah, inside. It's all in the same kind of on the Place des Arts uh, scene. So everything kind of happens there for two weeks. And did you have to apply to get in? Is that how it works? Do you send a demo? and? You can. Get... Okay. I Luckily, my record fell in the right hands, and the person reached out to me, and that's it. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it wow. was really, yeah, it just organically kind of happened. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Uh, so an hour and a half set, um, there is not an hour and a half of music on the record. So what mm -hmm. else did you do when you were uh, playing? There? Did some new songs uh, that are obviously not on the record. Um, also, we did one jazz cover on one of the nights. We did Night in Tunisia, but the Shaka Khan version. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Such a great version. Oh, my gosh. And um, and also Jay Dilla tune. Um, did a cover of that too, but well, you know, we kind of extend the songs, put in some solos, and because I'm working with really great musicians, you know, so trying to bring that that jazz aspect into the R&B, where it's like, go ahead, take a solo, expand, and develop. That's great. 
Uh, will you talk about the musicians who are on the record with you? Yes. Well, the main musician is Jordan Peters, and he's the guitarist producer. He did all the music on the record. Um, we also have some guest musicians. We have Anne Fung on the flute on the song Call Forces. Eric Ho, who's a great saxophone player, which I think you I saw, saw yesterday. Yep. Yep. He's just fantastic. He's on Ain't, on, uh, Ain't Hearing It. Um, got also some keys by Calder Nash on Just Friends. I'm trying to recall some stuff. Just Friends and another song. I think it's, it's here. Oh my gosh. And, uh, guest bass player, Mark Haynes. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who needs the record. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, guess Mark Haynes on the bass, um, for should have. Yeah. Yeah, but who most I, of the, I also saw the other night, and yeah. I sat right behind his bass amp, and it was the best seat in the house because he's just—he's really, really—he's fantastic. Yeah. He's a very, real bass player, like low key, you know. Yeah. But he's very uh, fine-tuned. And yeah, yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah. And did I interrupt you from saying something else at the end there about who was on the record? Nope. Okay, cool. So I will edit <laughs> out myself asking that question, and I'm gonna take a drink. Oh, actually, actually, yes, I remember. I wanted to say that most of the music that was Jordan Peters, so he did a lot of uh, synth bass, keys playing also, and then there's just some people that came in to take, like, either do a solo or, um, you know, maybe, like, we just wanted to reinforce the keys and stuff, but um, most of the record is, is self-produced. That's him. great. And then when you played live, did you have most of that same, like, Justin and... Mark yeah. and those guys. Okay, cool. And Mark Haynes, Jason, Jordan, obviously, and um, Kurt Chavistad also on the keys. Okay. Mm. That's great. Uh, part of why I've been kind of traveling around North America has been to find people who are making lives in music outside of New York and to kind of find out how easy or hard it is mm -hmm. to have a life in music in various places. So can you talk about what it's like to be a musician in Montreal and, and how easy or difficult it is to kind of keep body and soul together and, and build a career? <laughs> sure. Uh, Montreal has his good points and his bad points. Uh, I'll start with the good. The good is that uh, living in Montreal is cheap. Um, so there's a lot of art going on in the city. Everybody's an artist here. Like, you know, my cousin's an artist. Like, just everybody's an artist. Um, so that's great. You know, you always have time to go to jam sessions. There's a lot of jam sessions. There's music every night, everywhere. Um but then where it lacks is just into the development of it all. You know, like I said, there's not like songwriters or agents and stuff like that. That's still like, um, especially in, in the R&B world, it's still uh, developing. And people don't really know about taking those positions and, and actually creating to step outside of Montreal. So being an artist in Montreal is great, but eventually you have to leave. Yeah, I think that's the reality of it. So... It, and it sounds like it's very much your own responsibility to to kind of shepherd your career. No one's going to do it. Absolutely right. You, right? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Right now, it's like I don't have an agent. I don't have a booker. I don't have anything. I have to do everything by myself. So most of the time, you know, I do maybe twenty five percent of music and then seventy five percent of everything else, going from you know printing the albums and taking pictures and making phone calls and you have to take care of everything. Now if there's one thing that I can't stand People using music as a way to feel grand All up in my face like look what I can do You just a crybaby like Stuart on Mad TV Still looking for attention but I won't give you any Find me in the club with your shades on looking flashy Coming up to me like what's up with you To 
tell you the truth Now I've been chilling, how about you? Well I've been here, there, this, that Worked with him, worked with her, brother I know Cause you told me the same-ish eight months ago Now prepared speech up in the studio Showing me your skills, boy you ill But I know the deal, now you know buffet Just one meal, I knew your whole range After an hour, too busy looking busy Your potential goes sour, singing like What are uh, what are the crowds like in Montreal? I mean, what are audiences like when you when you play out loud? They're amazing. They're very attentive. Uh, they listen. They're they're uh, very encouraging. Also, they they're great. Yeah, they're just music fans and music listeners, and they're always open to hear something new. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a total of one show in Montreal, but uh, I was at uh, the community show the other night, and it was packed. I mean, there were no empty seats. Mm-hmm. There were people standing. There was no one talking while the musicians were playing, and it was loud enough music that it, I think you could have felt okay to talk if you wanted to, but mm-hmm. everybody was just watching. Mm-hmm. And I was just totally impressed with that. I mean, it's, you know, I guess I'm a little jaded about New York, but in New York, I mean, often you go to shows and it's like three of the greatest musicians on the planet and there's 20 people, you know, in really? the room. It just happens all the time. And it was totally packed and I was really, I was really impressed mm-hmm. by the crowd and how much they were digging. Yeah. And especially community is such a, so it's a jewel in the city. Like everybody, like even on Tuesdays, we'll have like a hundred people every Tuesday. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, people love to go to community and just really wa- like listen and watch and, and be attentive. So. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked you this, uh, the other night off the tape, but I want to ask you on tape that your last name is MK. <laughs> which uh my guess was that it was actually that's actually what your last name sounds like but I was wrong so uh, tell me what your tell me about that story well my last name is Mekonen which is an Ethiopian name and uh pretty much through high school you know you have to write your name on every paper and I got lazy writing it don't ask why <laughs> but I just did it's not even that long and then eventually I just started writing MK and then when it took it, it became time to to choose an artist name I just decided to go with that because I'm not original enough to find something like <laughs> princess, whatever. Yeah, you I know. I think you made the right decision. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I stuck to an MK and, and that's my name. Um, as people are listening to this, uh, it is early October 2012. And next week, actually, you're going to be in New York City. So will you tell folks yes. about that? Yeah, okay, that's great. Um, I'm going to be at the Sugar Bar on October 10th. That's a Wednesday. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's located on 72nd Street in the Upper West Side. Am I getting this right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a whole different city. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be there with um, some musicians from Montreal and some musicians from New York, too. And we're going to be presenting songs of the Worth It record. Fantastic. And have you played in New York before? I have. I played in Brooklyn twice in like the same week. But okay, cool. I have, yeah. That's great. I tell folks uh, where they can get your record. Yes, it's available on iTunes, on Bandcamp, and uh, and that's about it for um, for online. And if you want to order it on Bandcamp, you can actually order a hard copy that I will personally send you. 
<laughs> That's right. It'd be set yes. right from this house. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> right from this production house right here. That's yes. fantastic. <laughs> Oh, you know, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, teaching, because in addition to being a student, you're also a teacher. I got mm -hmm. to meet one of your students tonight. In fact, as we're recording this, it's my birthday, and uh, you guys both sang happy birthday to me, which was the highlight of my day. So, uh, But can you talk about teaching and, and the kind of joy that you get from that and, and why mm -hmm. you decided to do it, besides the obvious financial reasons? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, it was it was a random event. I was working in a bakery, and I had finished my uh, first two years of studies in music, because here in, in Quebec, we have the CJEP, which is like the a first... A thing between like high school and college. Exactly, right? okay. exactly. So I'd, I'd, I'd finished that, and I was working in a bakery, and this lady mistaken me for... Mis well, I'm not saying mistook. that. Mistook. You see? The French is kicking in. <laughs> Thank you. Um, mistook me for an old student of hers because she was working in a school, and eventually I was like, no, I'm not that person. She's like, oh, but you study music because we had started the conversation. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, we need music uh, teachers, like substitute teachers. Would you be interested in having a job? <laughs> and I'm there with my apron and my hat. And I'm like, what's going on? Sure. You know, she's like, you like kids? I was like, they're okay. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so I got, I got to work in an elementary school for three years as a music substitute teacher. And, you know, just learning by experience. And I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being with the kids and just seeing how they develop and, you know, just being in that environment. Um, so I continue doing that. I actually work in a community center right around the corner. Every Saturday where I work with young kids from 5 to 12. And then for the past two years now, I've been giving private lessons, uh, voice lessons at home. And uh, it's just great. It's I find it's like it's a great way to balance um what I'm learning and then passing it on. And, you know, also it helps me because it helps me figure out how to break things down. Sure. And yeah. It's like every lesson I'm giving is, is I'm learning through it too, just as much as the student is. And you're also, you're giving lessons to people whose goal is not necessarily to be professional singers no, yeah, in every yeah. case, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does just... that make a difference too in the way you communicate? Absolutely. Musically? If somebody's trying to make a career out of it, you know, then it's a little you know, a little more real. Right. Um, but if somebody just wants to have fun with it, a lot of it is just like kind of liberating the voice and, and you know, just it's it's a more personal kind of exploration. So, you know, we, I approach it more as, as fun and just trying to see where the person is at uh, musically speaking and personally speaking too, you know, and, and just you know, trying to work with that and, and for them to leave here and just feel like they had a good lesson. Was there someone who did that for you, a, a mentor or some other musician you played with who kind of helped you figure out where you were as a musician vocally when you started out? Um, I had some great teachers. I wouldn't necessarily say I had a, a mentor itself, but I had some really good teachers along the way. People like uh, Joanne Desforges, Hélène Martel, who are like teachers in the city. Also people like Alan Prater, who's a singer here and who used to play trombone for Michael Jackson. Um, you know, he's just always the kind of person I go to if I have questions. Um, but just every musician in the city, I take a bit from everybody and put it together. My guest is Sarah MK. Uh, the album is called Worth It, and uh, you can find it uh, in the show notes to this show. It's been such a pleasure to meet you. I'm really glad that uh, by this very bizarre set of circumstances that I ended up on your couch. But thank you very much for being on the show. Same here. Thank you, Jason.
Sarah MK, you can go see the show notes at thejazzsession.com for this episode 409 for links to Sarah's site. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Kyle Quas. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane. You can also join the mailing list. Just go to thejazzsession.com and click on mailing list up top. And now, get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the jazz session. Bye. Bye. Bye.